Well, uh, I suppose it's, you'll probably figure it out even if we don't announce it, if, especially if you're a, um, an evening attender. But um, next Saturday night, the clocks go forward, forward. Oh, someone's happy. They lose an hour of sleep, but they're happy. That's good. So just make, make sure you make a note of that. Write it down. Let yourself know, especially if you're coming to the 9 o'clock service. Because um, you wake up, you think it's 7 o'clock, but it's already 8 o'clock. Okay, so just wanted to mention that. If you have your Bibles with you, could you turn please to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand. Therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of, the sal of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an, am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. I just felt led to this passage. I was not here last Sunday. I was on holiday. Um, but the Sunday before, we spent some time talking about the prayer of faith at the end of James, didn't we? And we anointed people with oil. And uh, we spoke about how that prayer of faith, that particular prayer in James, is linked to the forgiveness of sins that are causing those particular sicknesses. Of course, if you've got sickness, it doesn't mean it's a product of your personal sin. James knows that. He, spoke, he was speaking about how Job was a wonderful example of a suffering saint who'd done no wrong. But having said that, he also spoke about the fact that because we are uh, individuals that are body, soul, and spirit, what happens in the body affects the spirit. What happens in the spirit and the soul affect the body. Uh, and, and there is a unity in our lives. So we can't simply separate spirit, soul, and body and say that what happens in any of those has no effect on the other. No, we are one. And so that means that persistent 
personal sin can, not always, but can affect our physical well-being. Just as mental well-being can affect our physical being. Just as our physical being can affect our mental well-being, can't you? I mean, when you physically got flu or something, you don't feel on top of your game mentally, do you? And sometimes even spiritually. And today, I'm focusing on, on an element. I'm focusing on an element of the work of the enemy. And how that, as Christians living in a fallen world... We have to deal with the issues of sin in a broken, sinful, fallen world and the issues of sin that still tries to dominate us even though we're, we're saved. And understand that as a whole being, we also need to realize that we need to, yes, submit to God, but also to resist the devil. And when we speak about spiritual warfare and demonic activity, unfortunately, we usually find that people fall into one excess or another, one extreme or another. So sometimes you have Christians who blame the devil for everything. Give, I mean, give far too much credit, if I can put it that way, to the devil. And are constantly wanting deliverance and don't realize the authority that they have themselves to deal with the enemy. And every night is deliverance night at some of these churches. Every weekend they have deliverance services. There's only about 200 in the church, but every Friday or whatever, they're having deliverance service. It makes you wonder whether there's any victory in the gospel at all. So they have that extreme. Then on the other extreme, you have Christians where uh, they don't believe the devil almost exists. I mean, they'll blame anybody, everybody, even themselves and even God, uh, but the enemy that's at work. So we have to... Appreciate, and that's one of the works of the enemy. He loves to drive us to extremes. He loves us to drive. If he can't drive you to an extreme where you blame the devil for everything, he'll drive you to an extreme where the devil can be beating you up and you'll think, oh, well, I guess this is God teaching me a lesson. But we we find that Paul understood that that there is an element in our lives here on earth where we have to be aware of, of the enemy. I mean, in Ephesians, the last thing he says, often the last thing you say is a summary or, or a culmination of what you've been teaching. And Ephesians is, is a great letter of victory, isn't it? It's about the glory of the church. It's about apostolic ministry, fivefold ministry. It's about God able to do greatly and more abundantly than you could ever possibly imagine or hope according to the power that's working within you. It's got more who you are in Christ phrases than any other of the epistles. It really is a a victorious letter. But having spoken about the victory of who we are in Christ, at the end of it, he says, now, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. But then he starts speaking about spiritual warfare. Start speaking about the armor of God. You don't put armor on unless you're going into battle. You know, you don't put on your, your, your British military kit with your body armor, your helmet, your boots. You don't check your rifle if you're not going to go out to battle. And so when Paul is speaking about armor, he means it. Having said and built us up, with all these encouraging words in Ephesians and the victory that's in in Ephesians, he's saying, now you know your victory, go out to battle. 
And there is a battle. Put on the whole armor of God. Be strong in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may able to be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. What does that mean? It means the devil's at war against you. You don't have to fear. And if we'd been doing a big series on Ephesians, which we're not, we're just going straight to this passage, I, I would have been able to build you up in the strength of who you are in Christ and the body of Christ and the victory of Christ and the gifts of God to this place. So we're sort of shortcutting to the end. But he's talking to a people that know who they are in Christ. They know that they've got the victory. They know the resurrection power. They know who they are. They know that God has called them. They know how to deal with sin. They know how to turn to God. And now, having been prepared and built up by Paul in the letter of Ephesians, now, he says, now I've taken you through boot camp, basic training, told you what you can do. Now, my final words are to you are to be ready to do battle. Fearlessly, but ready to do battle. And then he speaks about the schemes of the devil and says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Who remembers Margaret Thatcher? Whether you like her or loathe her, she was a great woman prime minister, whether you like her policies or not. We're not talking about that. And she was a Christian woman, you know. Again, whether you like her or not, she was a Christian. And we always thought it was remarkable at her funeral. She had planned her funeral before she died. Everything that happened, none of it was by accident. She'd planned it, as some people do. And... One of the most powerful things, well, I thought it was powerful, was that she had planned the reading that the Prime Minister would read at that occasion. And it was this passage. So we had our Prime Minister, David Cameron, reading, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may stand against the schemes of the devil. And then he went on in front of the television cameras of the world, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, if only he really understood what he was reading. Pray for the Prime Minister, pray for all of those that are in government, that God would open their eyes. But Margaret Thatcher, she knew what she was doing. Whether you like her or not, she understood that there were greater things going on in the world than mere flesh and blood politics military campaigns, economic power. There, there was something more powerful than that. And that's why she got the Prime Minister to read that scripture to all the other Prime... Uh, not all the other Prime Ministers, but all the other ministers, all the other political party leaders, all those politicians, great and mighty, from far and near in the world, were all there while this passage was read out. I thought, what a, what a testimony, what a wonderful thing to do. And, 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 and to have done. And that will always stay with me, that very poignant, that, that she would know that at, the death, at her death, a great politician, there was greater powers at work. And so we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. This is so important for us to grasp. Like I said, we don't go to either extreme, but we understand that this is a part of our life on earth, to do battle against the enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So many times we do. So many times we are using human means or looking to human resources to deal with only the only things that can only be dealt with spiritually. 
Sometimes we're blaming one another. And I mean, you know, that's what politics is all about, isn't it? Blaming one another. Blaming everybody. But let me tell you something. As, as, as important politics is, because remember, God created two institutions for the welfare of humanity. God, not the devil. God, not man. God created two institutions for the welfare of mankind. He created the church and he created government. Government. Now, government can be good and government can be bad, but the notion of government to bring peace and security to society for the gospel to be preached is God's idea. All right? But we see here that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers. These, these, this is words of authority. Rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces in heavenly places. These are power words. These are authority words. And these happen on many different levels. When we come into the next month, straight after Easter, I'm going to be, I'm going to be teaching at the five o'clock service for two months on what the Bible teaches about spiritual warfare and what it doesn't. At levels, at different levels, personal level, family level, city level, we're going to be looking at the doctrines and teachings of spiritual warfare. Well, this is just a sample for us tonight. We wrestle. Now, when Derek Prince, the great Pentecostal teacher, teaches on this passage, he says, look, when we wrestle, wrestle, that word wrestle, is the most intensive form of personal combat. It doesn't say that we sword fight with the devil. We do have a, a sword, which is the word of God, but it doesn't say we sword fight with the devil at a distance. We fence with the devil. It doesn't say we fire our pistols at the devil or we, 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 we take our arrows and fire them at him. He has arrows that he fires at us. But it says that we wrestle. And Paul is thinking about the ancient Greek wrestling. And this wrestling only ended when you wrestled the person into total submission. In some forms of wrestle, it was a wrestle to the death. So this is an intense form of personal combat that he's talking about. And he chose his word wrestling because he knew what wrestling was like. And we are wrestling, struggling, not in flesh and blood terms, but in spiritual terms. We are wrestling with these powers. We have the armor of God so that we can withstand and having stand. And he goes through the, the different aspects of our defensive armor, truth and righteousness, gospel, the shield of faith to extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, the helmet of salvation. We can go through those things, but that's not my intention tonight. But the context of this spiritual warfare is not just in our own personal lives, in fact, he's just spoken about some very practical things. He's been speaking. Just before he comes to the whole armor of God, he speaks to how servants should obey their master or how we should, uh, how we should live our lives in our workplace. Very practical. Before that, he speaks about how children should honor their parents and how parents should not provoke their children but properly parent them. Very practical, isn't it? Then before that, he speaks about wives and husbands and what marriage should be and the, the importance of, of marriage. 
And then before that in chapter 5, he speaks about not engaging in the sins of the world because we're no longer part of the world. So before he gets into this talking about spiritual warfare, he is talking about some of the most natural ways of living and some of the most practical advice in the workplace, in the family place, in the marriage place, and in moral areas of our life. This all sets the scene to then speak about wrestling with God. In other words, I think what Paul is saying is, do you know, get your house in order so that you can go to war. Get your house, get your relationships in order. Get your house in order so that finally you can then release yourself. You see, if you, if you are messed up at work in your relationships, if your family's relationships are messed up, if your marriage or your courtship is messed up and out of kilter and not according to God's plan, if you are living like a non-Christian, then you're the last person to get in the ring with the enemy. Do you know what I'm saying? And unfortunately, a lot of people are like that. I'm not talking about you here tonight, because people like that, the last thing they'd ever do is come to church on a Sunday night. Do you know what I'm talking about? But there are a lot of Christians that are struggling in their families, struggling in their marriages, struggling in their careers and workplaces, struggling with the enticements of, of the world. And we need to help people like that. That's the first victory we need to get. Now, sometimes you can't help what happens in your family. Understand that sometimes you can't help what happens in your work. I'm not talking about that, but there's a lot of things we can do. Because God wants us at least to apply godly principles to those areas. Because as we do that, generally speaking, we will then be in order. You know, if you have a disorderly regiment, a disorderly platoon going onto the battlefield, forget it. You don't have to be perfect, but there's got to be a sense of order or a sense of growth in your order and stability in your life. If not, the devil's already winning. Do you know what I'm talking about? So I'm not talking about being perfect in these areas, but I'm talking about the fact God, as Paul says, wants to establish those principles in our relationships and in our daily lives. Why? So that we can then penetrate into the darkness of this world. How many of you know the church, it might be a family, but the church is also an army. We're meant to be the army of the Lord. We're meant to do battle. We have a sword, it's a sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We're meant to be an army, an army of the Lord. But we're not out to fight people, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But we are meant to be subduing the forces of darkness. Not just in our own lives. That's, that's just uh, basic training to subdue the enemy in your own life. That's meant to be ABC. That, that's meant almost to be, to be taken for granted. Sort the devil out in your life. Why? So that you can begin to push back the darkness in your neighborhood, your workplace, in this city. And we can push back spiritual authorities that are illegal in our life operating illegally, and operating. It's an insurgency. The demonic insurgency into Great Britain has been going for decades and decades and decades. It's an insurgency 
by spiritual demonic terrorists seeking to dominate this land. They have no right to Britain. Christ has died for Britain. They have no right for Europe. Christ has died for Europe. But they are presently ruling Britain and they are presently ruling Europe, and anybody says that they are not, is totally and utterly deluded. And you get quite a few of them out there. Quite a few of those Christians out there. They think it's all wonderful. They, they think that the grace of God is overflowing in Great Britain. I don't see it overflowing in Great Britain. They think, they think that they, they're, they're marching around as if Europe was taken for the Lord. As if every family knew God. And they're living in their own spiritual, demonic delusion and they're very happy there because while they can chant, talk and chant about, about revival and glory and everything it's meaningless uh, many of those haven't even got to grips with their own life God wants us to get to grips there is more important things in our own personal lives and needs and requirements God is building an army an end time army he's strengthening a senior minister is talking about the move of God that we are in. You say, what move of God? It's the move of God that Colin prophesied about a year and a half, two years ago. He said this move would be a deep move of God. You say, is there any evidence? Yes, there is. Turn up on Tuesday night and you've got about 500 people going deeper with God in their soul talk. You know what I'm talking about? That's just one sign and there's many. Why is God taking us deeper? Well, God is doing a deeper work so that at, one, at some stage he can do a broader work. Because we can only go as broad as we are deep. I, I have said a number of times, and I mean it, Lord, send revival, but don't send it yet. Don't send it yet. Why? Because we're not deep enough. There was a, a reviving move that took place not long ago in a certain part of Great Britain. Some of you may know what I'm talking about. It was a reviving move. The thing is totally dissipated. Totally dissipated. And do you know why it dissipated? It was there, it was a great outpouring, but it dissipated because there wasn't enough depth. There wasn't enough depth. And the people couldn't contain the power of God that was taking place because there wasn't sufficient depth of character in God. You say, oh, are you pointing your finger? No, I'm saying, God, don't send that on us yet. So what am I doing? I'm recognizing that what was happening there uh, is still dangerously what could happen here. We need to go deeper with God, all of us. We need to get deeper, deeper roots, deeper strengths. We need to do what Paul said about these different relationships in our area. Get strong so that when God pours out his spirit, it'll him that gets the glory and the flesh will have already been substantially crucified. Because when the Holy Spirit falls in power, you think, oh, when the Holy Spirit falls with power, flesh just dies. On the contrary, when the Holy Spirit falls in power, whatever is flesh is amplified. You, right, okay, all right, sister. Don't steal my thunder. Whatever is of the flesh is amplified. Whatever is of God is amplified. And whatever is of the devil is also amplified. Listen to me. 
Listen to me, these things are important. We're not fixing on staying the same like this, are we? Year after year, is this it? We're not fixing on having meetings with empty chairs forever, are we? We're not fixing on doing that. Is this it? Is this as good as it gets? Because if it is, I don't know about you, I'm ready to go to heaven. This is as good as it gets. God, get somebody else in. I'm done here. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. There has to be more. We've got to believe God for more. And, and, and we've got to be in a place that if he sends more, what he sends won't be ruined or dissipated, but it will be channeled through increasingly holy vessels into taking this nation back for God. And so we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against rulers and authorities. Take up the whole anger. Now, we've seen that before this passage, it's very practical. It's get your house in order. It's like put integrity into your workplace. It's, it's stop being so worldly. It's those types of things. Very, very, very practical, down-to-earth teaching. And then he comes to the spiritual warfare. Often Christians have gone straight to the spiritual warfare without being practical. You know, people that are so spiritual or people that are so heavenly, they're of no earthly value. You see, the devil's a liar. Seek, always seeking to take us to extremes. And, and then people go to one extreme, people go to another extreme, and then the other extreme is somebody goes, is, you see all those extremes? I'm not even getting involved. Well, that's an extreme too. And so we've got this practical, then we've got this warfare. But even this warfare is for a purpose. To take the shield, extinguish the flames, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit of the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit. But here in verse 18, all of this is to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. Why? What's the end game of spiritual warfare? that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. This is all about the gospel and the power of the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the good news of Jesus shared. Shared in deed and especially in word. Not just the preaching of the gospel and maybe more of a formal setting like this, but the sharing of the gospel. Whenever you share the truths of the gospel, that at the right time, God sent his son into this world, born of a virgin, born under the law, to redeem those that were under the law so that we could be made sons of God and as sons of God, heirs in righteousness and receive the spirit. Whenever you share it, whenever the gospel is shared, darkness is pushed back. But there's so little sharing of the gospel because these spiritual forces are trying to smother and shut Paul's mouth. He says, pray that my mouth will be opened to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. And what these devils and spiritual forces were trying to suffocate the gospel. This is the schemes of the enemy. To stand against the schemes of the enemy. The main scheme of the enemy is to silence the church. Because the most powerful thing on God's earth is the word of God. 
But God's word in a closed book on a dusty shelf has no power. God's word of its own in the Bible has no power. It must be read. It must be spoken. It must be preached. It must be shared. It must be taught. When these things are are done like that, then the power of God is released. Never underestimate the power of the good news. Never underestimate the power of the message. It's not just a message. It's not just a message. It is the release of supernatural power. For I am convinced, Paul says, he says that the gospel is the power of God. You say, what's the power of God? It's the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto all who believe. It has power to deliver, power to save, power to sanctify, power to change. Without the power of the word of God, you are helpless in your sins. You are weak without the power of the gospel, weak without the power of the word. Your only hope is the word of God anointed by the Holy Spirit. It's your only hope. This is why the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. Now, I'd like us to go to another picture. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. When the disciples came up against a demon that they couldn't shift. Now, We're looking at Matthew 17, verse 14. We could look at the parallel passage in Mark 9, 29, or Luke 9, 37. But Matthew 17, 14. And when they came up to a crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him, that's Jesus, said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, and he suffers terribly, for often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. The boy was healed instantly. The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? He said, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. Now, in uh, the version of Mark, it speaks about faith and prayer. Prayer and fasting, it's all the same thing. And this is an interesting picture because up until this point, the disciples had been going from victory to victory over the enemy. I mean, they had already been sent out into the villages and they had preached the gospel. And in the name of Jesus, they had healed the sick. And in the name of Jesus... They had cast out devils and demons. And they had already returned to Jesus in victory saying, look God. And to them it was, it was the victory over the devil that, that um, made the most impact on their minds. Jesus, Lord, even the devils submitted to us. 
And Jesus affirmed that they had had power over the enemy. He said, ah, yes, he said, I know. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Lightning. Not just glide from heaven in a parachute. Fall from heaven in an instant like lightning. Power was taking place. Simple casting out devils and demons from people's lives was causing the devil to be unseated in heavenly places and not just slightly dislodged, but thrown down in power like lightning. But then Jesus said, but hey, wait a second. Rejoice not, he's saying, get your priorities right. Rejoice not that demons submit to you in my name, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. You see, this is what Paul has been saying in Ephesians. He's saying we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but spiritual forces and authorities in high places and put on the whole armor of God so that the gospel might be preached. Because it's the gospel that heals. It's the gospel that delivers. It's the gospel that changes the human heart. So if we can get the gospel out, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. No, no nation can resist the power of a preached gospel. No nation can you say, well, not everybody will get saved. Well, that's true, but no nation can resist. If the gospel was preached in every street, in every house, in every place, if the gospel was preached, this nation would be saved, generally speaking. I have no doubt about that. Whenever the gospel is preached with power and authority, the kingdom comes, no doubt. No doubt. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel and no one will get saved. No, 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 no. The problem is not the gospel. The problem is the gospel's not getting out. And spiritual forces, their main aim is to muzzle the gospel. Isn't it interesting? The devil's trying to muzzle Christians and the message of the gospel. And Jesus went around muzzling devils. The amount of times demons cried out and Jesus said, shut up. And the Greek word is not shut up, it's even stronger. The Greek word that Jesus used in the Gospels is be muzzled. Like the muzzling of a yapping dog, a barking dog. Jesus would never allow them to speak. They had no right to speak on his earth. They had no right to give their opinion. They were to be shut up and muzzled, not listened to. Yet today we find that demons are listened to left, right, and center. You can go into the bookshops and you can find books written by demons. You say, that's a bit harsh. Not really. I know they're written by humans, but the basic philosophy and premise from where they're coming is from an authority greater than them and a mind greater than them. It's satanic, demonic deception. And the only thing that can remove that is truth. Only truth. Truth is like light. The darkness remains. But when truth is spoken, the darkness is illuminated. And the evil is exposed. That's why the darkness hates the gospel. Hates it with a vengeance. It calls good evil and evil good. It's all upside down. These are demonic forces. And so here, the disciples, they, they have had an incredible time. I mean, demons are just 
coming out left, right, and center. People are getting healed. People are getting saved. They don't know what it's like to be resisted. They don't know what it's like to hit a ceiling of authority in their lives. Jesus, we did what you said. People were saved. People were healed in your name. Demons came out in your name and submitted themselves to us. And Jesus said, yeah, that's right, that's right. And so here comes these victorious disciples. They're nearly charismatics now. They're so victorious. And then someone comes to them and says, we ha- I have a son and there's a demonic root to the epilepsy and it's a terrible situation. Can you help us? Peter, James and John, Matthew, can you help us? They're saying, nothing's too difficult for the name of Jesus. We've been healing and they had no doubts in their mind, they thought, that they would be able to deal with this authority ruling over this young child's life. And so they came up against this demon, fully expecting victory. And they tried to cast this demon out. And guess what? The demon said no. The demon resisted. The demon refused to come out. And all the 12 apostles muscled everything that they had in prayer and commanded, even in the name of Jesus, that this demon should come out and it refused to do so. And what was happening here? Well, the disciples were confused. They couldn't understand why other demons had come out, and yet this stubborn demon was resisting the name of Jesus and the authority that Jesus had given them. Remember, when he sent them out, he said, I am giving you authority to heal the sick, to preach the gospel, and to cast out. I'm giving you the authority. That's what he said. And now, the authority doesn't seem to be working. So they're confused. They don't know what to do. They don't understand it. And then the people that are watching are like, what's going on here? You, had all, you, you made these claims that you had authority, spiritual authority. And the man himself is saying, hey, I brought my son to you because we needed an intervention. We needed the power of the name of Jesus and nothing's happened. It was a crisis of authority for the church, which was the 12 at that time. A crisis of authority because they met a demon that it didn't appear that they could dislodge. This is the church today. This is the church today. You see, you can talk about personal deliverance of demons. That's true. But when a whole society is demonized, you need corporate deliverance, which is what we call revival. You know what I'm saying? So it's not just the individual... You see, some people, we, we, we often think about individual deliverance. People with an individual demonic problem where they need deliverance. Fine. But when you've got a group of individuals that are demonically influenced, then what have you got? You've, you've got a society that's controlled by the enemy. It's not just individuals. And Great Britain is by and large controlled by demonic forces. You say, what do you mean? I mean vain imagination. I mean false doctrines, 
false doctrines from demons. Human beings aren't clever enough to think about these doctrines. And so there is a corporate demonization going on in Europe right now. The God of this world has blinded their minds to the truth of the gospel. How does he blind their minds? He's a liar. He blinds their minds through lies. What is a demonic stronghold? A demonic stronghold lies in the mind very often. That's the most powerful stronghold. And what did Jesus do? Well, it's interesting. Jesus said, he didn't say, oh, my power doesn't work or my authority doesn't work. But actually, he was pretty scathing on the disciples, wasn't he? He said, oh, faithless and twisted generation. And who was he speaking to? His disciples. I mean, he was speaking to everyone, but it was the disciples. If the disciples had healed, he wouldn't have had to say this. He looked at them and he said, the problem is, is you're faithless and you're twisted. How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? He was frustrated. Frustrated. And then after that, he, was, he, he healed him. I mean, Jesus healed him instantly. There was no problem of the authority of Jesus. And the disciples said, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, because of your little faith. And uh, also, this type comes out by prayer. In other words, what he was saying is this. He was saying, look, when you come to higher levels, you're going to have to go to a higher level too. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have to go to... You know, there are... When you look at that Ephesians passages, it actually speaks of different levels of demonic activity. That's what it speaks of. It speaks of layers. And sometimes we can have a victory at a certain level. And then we hit the ceiling. And that can happen in a personal level. You can, excuse me, you can have a, uh, um, it's not a demon coming out, don't worry. But if it is, it's welcome to leave. So you can get to a certain level in your spiritual life, then you hit a ceiling. Anyone ever been there? And it seems that like no matter what happens, you can't break through that ceiling. Or you can have a breakthrough, or you can reach a certain level in a ministry or a situation where you get a certain number of people in your cell or service or whatever, and then you, you hit a ceiling. And as much as you try, it's like you're contained. It's like you've got authority for manifestation of God's kingdom to a certain level in your life or whatever, your ministry, and you can push back the enemy so far, but then, bang, you hit a mountain, you hit a wall, and you just can't break through. And there's resistance. And like the disciples, what can happen is you can sometimes accept that resistance. I think, well, that's just the way it is. Everybody else is experiencing the same Lack of breakthrough, I guess this is just the way it is. Or you can say, well, God, I don't understand why my authority levels in my own life or my breakthroughs have, have reached a ceiling. 
And like the disciples say, why can't I break through at a different spiritual level? Or, or, or why aren't we seeing the growth? Or why aren't we seeing the soul saved that we want to see? And all these things, and we can ask questions. But what's gonna, this is what usually happens when you fight a battle. To begin with, you, you send out the scouts, and you're scouting. And there's a little bit of fire here. You're testing to see where the enemy's strong points are. And for a while, you're making progress. But what happens is when you get closer to the enemy's stronghold, resistance stiffens. If you're in a place of stiff resistance, don't be discouraged. You're getting closer to the enemy. See, what tends to happen is when we get into a place of resistance, we, we resist, oh, and we back off, you know. It's okay when there's no resistance or a little bit of resistance, we can push through, but then we hit a wall, we feel resistance, it's tiring, it saps us, we, our strength goes, and we're like, oh, okay. Take it a bit, a bit, bit easier here, a bit freer here, I've got a bit of freedom here, and then you're pushing, and then you hit this thing in your personal life, or you hit this thing in your ministry, you hit this thing in your God-given career, and you hit it, and you push, and, and you think, right. And what, what can happen is you can say, I've reached my level. You may not say it, I've reached my level. This is my level. And this is what God, this is what the enemy, he wants you to get to a level and then to stay there. That's why Paul said, be strong in the power of his might. Not be strong in the power of your might, because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, and your flesh, your mind power, can't do it. We need an anointing. We need an anointing to break through. We need an empowering, that's what I mean. We need a strengthening. We, we need to go to that next level and to have that spiritual breakthrough. To press and to press until we get that breakthrough. This is where the wrestling comes in. This is where the disciples weren't used to being resisted. They weren't used to, they were in their comfort zone. Casting out a little devil. The devil doesn't mind if you cast out a little demon and a little demon there. He doesn't mind if you're having deliverance every week or just send the same, same demons back you know, cast out on Friday, back on Monday. Cast out on Friday, bring a few friends for the next day. He's not bothered about that, he's laughing. Well, we're worried about, about little deliverance services. There's a place for them. Well, we're worried about, oh, I need to be delivered from the devil. Well, we're worried about little deliverances. He's taking nations. He's dominating governments. He's slaughtering God's people through demonic-powered being, human beings. He's laughing. He's laughing. God wants the devil to laugh on the other side of his face. God, God wants the devil to flee. God wants us to rise up and to begin to wrestle in prayer. You say, how do you wrestle? In prayer. Prayer is the key to revival. Prayer. This is why Wednesday nights are exciting. You might not be able to go to every Wednesday night, but I encourage you to go to some. Why? Because how are you going to learn to pray if you don't pray? 
Or, what, in just your own little prayer closet? Are you going to learn how to fight the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God? Are you going to learn how to war over nations in your little five-minute prayer in the morning? Whereas on Wednesday evenings, we take topics and we fight and we pray and we speak. And you know, not, that can have an overflow into your personal life. I found that as I've been heading up afresh these Wednesday evenings, that strength has come into my own personal life and the way that I'm dealing with the enemy in my life. I'm grateful for those Wednesdays. It's like a turbo boost, an engine. I'm not saying you need to come out. I mean, this is not a pitch saying, oh, and now, now he's saying we have to come out every Wednesday. But maybe some Wednesdays, if there's something you hear that, that, that you say, wow, that's important to me, come out. Just get a taste of it. Just get yourself back into warfare because the devil can't withstand Holy Spirit prayer. Can't withstand it. He suffocates the prayer because the prayer loosens his power. Loosens his power when we release prayer power. Now, you can make a god of prayer. Do you know what I mean? Again, extremes. Some people... They need to stop praying and just do. Spend the whole time praying. Stop praying, do. Do with faith. Smith Oglesworth said, you pray five times, five times about the same thing, four times there'll be unbelief. Get on and do it. Or we don't get into extremes, but we catch what the Holy Spirit is, is saying, saying to us. So what, what, what am I saying here tonight? I'm saying this. I'm saying you're, you're, in, a, you're in the ring with the enemy whether you like it or not. He's going to wrestle you. He's not waiting, waiting for you to invite him to a wrestling match. He's going to jump on you, whatever. He's going, to, he's going to wrestle you, whether you wrestle back or you don't wrestle back. He's going to wrestle you. And he is going to attempt, spiritually, to wrestle you into submission. That's the problem in the church today in the Western world. Majority of us Christians have been wrestled into submission. He's got us in a headlock and we can't move. But we don't even know we're in a headlock. We don't even know we're wrestled to the ground. We don't even know that there's a spiritual wrestling match going on. It's like getting into the ring with the invisible man. And he's wrestling you at, and, and wrestling you in every way. And you, you think, and you say, oh, I don't see anybody. It's the spirit. Now, you know that we, we know we have to deal with the flesh. We know how we have to deal with personal issues. But there's an element here where dealing with the enemy. I mean, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, say an 11 o'clock meeting, say, and we've got people from all walks of life coming in. We've got people that come every week. We've got people that come once a month and people that are just passing through. I mean, it is the big funnel of Kensington Temple, the widest group come to the 11 o'clock service, showcase sort of scenario, so they come. Sometimes, during that initial prayer, I just feel an inkling to rebuke the devil off of their lives. Just rebuke, I don't know if any of you have been there when that's happened. Just get this urge, just this instinct. Speak and rebuke and cast out the enemy from the 11 o'clock line. And sometimes, just in that few seconds of Holy Spirit-led prayer, the freedom and the liberty that comes into God's people and into that service 
is tremendous. Just in that few moments. Now, I don't know how how long that liberty stays afterwards. I don't know about that. That's where we need teaching, discipleship. But I'm telling you, there is power in the name of Jesus. And don't be discouraged by extreme Christians that are always binding the devil but have no victory. Always calling out the devil but are in very low states of Christian maturity. Don't look at them because you look at them and you think, oh, forget it, it's a joke. And the devil's won a victory. But soberly, understanding we have to put principles in our lives, family, all these things. Understanding these things. Recognize that there is an element that is spiritual warfare where you must engage the enemy. If you were to say to me, what is your greatest mistake, if you look back over your Christian life, if you were to say to me, what is your greatest mistake and your greatest continual mistake, Bruce, uh, the, the, you, I would say it is not engaging the enemy in issues of my life. Oh, I'll pray for wisdom. I'll pray things through and I'll believe God. But the element of dealing with the enemy in whatever situation it is, I have found consistently... Because of my Western mindset, it's the last thing that I do. My Western mindset, my Western education. You know? Just like some people that have a different education, a different thing, you know, all they ever do is rebuke the devil. They don't even ask for wisdom. You know what I'm saying? I, I understand my cultural bias. And there's times where it has got, it has to get so bad before I get angry with the devil. But I can honestly say that some of the greatest shifts, not all the time, but some of the greatest shifts I've seen in situations or circumstances have come when I believed God, prayed through, knocked and kept knocking, persistent prayer, all of those things. But there's come a time when I've said, thus saith the Lord to the enemy. Often been in my car on my way home and I've had enough and I prayed and I believed God and I've asked for wisdom, and I've loved my enemy. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing all I know how. And it's still not shifting, and I've had enough. And then a holy anger arises me, and then I start to wrestle the devil. I start to speak, thus saith the Lord. And, and I do it. And something comes upon me. It's a holy warrior zeal. It's the anointing of spiritual warfare. And I rebuke the enemy, and I can think of certain occasions. Bang! Satan has fallen like lightning. And I've known on those occasions, not always, but on those occasions, I've known it's he's, he's done. I've been faithful, I've prayed through, I've knocked, I've done what I can, I've asked for wisdom, but there was something that finally needed to be shifted. There was a, not the, but a demonic element that was holding back, resisting, and it needed to be broken, and it needed to be dealt with, and it needed to be cast out. Of my circumstances. Breakthrough came. It's not the whole thing, but it's part of the picture. You know what I'm saying? It's like I'm saying body, soul, spirit. Not all body. It's not all soul. It's not all spirit. <laughs> it's not all flesh crucifi- cru- crucifying. It's not all renewing of the mind. And it's not all casting out the demon. It's all things. You have to renew your mind. You have to walk in godliness and apply God's scriptures. We've seen that. But you also have to deal the enemy a blow.
a lot more than we think. A lot more. Got to get him in our sights and target him. We don't play with the devil. This isn't a, a WWF showcase. You know, World Wrestling Federation. They already know who's going to win. You know? You get in the ring of the devil. Hey, remember I win. And the devil says, I don't think so. Not today. What? You're going to have to fight him for real. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray a prayer of deliverance over you. Do I have the microphone? Pray a prayer of deliverance. Wrestle not against flesh and blood. If there's any... You see, the beautiful thing about dealing with the devil is that it's relatively easy to do as long as you remember. You don't have to fear dealing with the devil. Jesus has given us authority. It's, it's, it's far harder work to deal with the flesh. You can't cast out the flesh. You have to crucify it through obedience. But the enemy, you recognize him, and you deal with him. You cast him out. You get liberty in your spirit. Let's just connect with the Holy Spirit right now. Look, don't overestimate the enemy. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee to you. Don't overestimate the enemy. But don't underestimate him either. Don't underestimate the spiritual forces of this city that we live in and the pressures and the powers of the air that are primed to pressure you during your daily life. Don't overestimate it, but don't underestimate the powers that are polluting the spiritual atmosphere of the city that we live in. Sometimes we have to break through just to get a breath of spiritual air. Even Daniel had to pray through to victory. He'd been given the word of the Lord 70 years. God's bringing his people back. He got on his knees and he prayed. And his prayers had great spiritual power. No, he didn't cast out the devil. But he prayed, which was casting out the devil. He just prayed God's word. It was spiritual warfare. And he prayed. And he prayed for three weeks. And for three weeks, Daniel must have felt like the disciples. Nothing's happening. No visible sign. Don't have the authority. But for three weeks, a demonic principality was resisting an angelic deliverance. That's spiritual warfare. But then even the archangel Michael was sent to reinforce. And when they got through the Daniel, it said, from the first moment you prayed, or can I put it this way? From the first moment you began to wrestle with God's word and God's will, your prayer was heard. But there was supernatural resistance. But now you've got the breakthrough. God's people are being set free. Father, we come to you in the power of your might. We lift our lives to you, Lord. We know that you're doing a deep work on the inside of many of our lives. Deep down in our hearts, in our souls. 
You're teaching us and guiding us and healing us, making us whole and challenging us. And we know that's the greatest work of God. But Lord, we also know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood and that there are demonic strategies that are at work in our lives that we may or may not be aware of. There are demonic resistances to our destinies, our lives, and the blessing that's upon you. We don't overestimate them, but tonight neither do we underestimate them. You said we are not aware, we are not unaware of the strategies of the enemy. And so, Father, we come together to you tonight at the Holy Spirit fire service. We ask for the spirit of deliverance to come upon us. Holy Spirit fire to fall upon us with delivering power. We thank you that Jesus said, by the finger of God, I cast out devils. Or by the spirit of God, I cast out devils. We don't fear the enemy. We recognize the enemy. And we ask for you to anoint us now, Lord, to bring delivering power into this room. Just simply and powerfully, Father, release the delivering work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to every stronghold of the mind, every lie of the enemy, falsehood of the enemy that's lodged in our minds, wrong thinking, lies of the enemy, all the lies and deceits of the enemy and the fiery darts of accusation that have penetrated our minds. In the name of Jesus, we cast out, cast out every demonic vain imagination, every false word of the enemy that's lodged in our mind, no matter how intellectual the word it may be even. The spirit of the age and the God of this age and the falsehoods of this age and the contamination of this age and the falsehoods of the world. Father, in Jesus' name, break every demonic stronghold in the mind and let the truth of God reign. Take authority over every lie of the enemy, every lie that seeks to, to rise up against God in your life. In the name of Jesus, break the power of the lies of the enemy. The fiery darts, may they be pulled out of your mind. We put the shield of faith and we resist the fiery darts, the lies and accusations and evil thoughts of the enemy. We resist them in the name of Jesus and cast them out. Every spirit of depression, every spirit of oppression, depression that comes, not medical depression I'm talking about, I'm talking about demonic oppression or demonic elements of oppression, spiritual elements of depression, spiritual depression. Come out in Jesus' name. Come out! That which is demonic, we cast out in the name of Jesus. Heaviness. 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 Demonic heaviness that seeks to quench the fire of the Holy Spirit. Demonic clouds that seek to Resist the reign of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Heaviness come out in Jesus' name of our lives. Loose your grip. 
hold. Clouds obscuring the rays of sunlight from heavenly blessings. We banish the clouds of the mind. Demonic blindness keeping us from seeing our inheritance and our victory. Blinding eyes open in the name of Jesus Christ that you may see. See the power of God and the Word of God. See with the spiritual eye of the heart. Every blinding spirit, every cataract of the mind. Name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, come out of our lives. Demonic power, demonic manipulation, demonic intimidation, come out of our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, loose your grip and hold of our minds. We reject you. Speak a word of rebuke. Cast you out of our church. Jesus, you said to Peter, you said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You cast out Satan from Peter's mind. Every work of the enemy, every work of the enemy, every foul, polluting thought, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, come out of God's people, delivering power. Finger of God upon your life, driving out demons. We drive out demonic power by the finger of God come upon you. May the finger of God come upon you in the balcony. Drive out demonic power. Every demonic inspired sickness, every physical sickness with a demonic element to it, in the name of Jesus, spirits of infirmity, spirits of physical sickness, come out in Jesus' name. Loose your grip and hold. Loose your grip. In the name of Jesus, spirits of infirmity, come out in Jesus' name of God's people. Hallelujah. Let the victory rise and the freedom flow. Barriers of demonic opposition. Every barrier that's in your way. When Jesus said you couldn't cast this demon out because of your faith, he then said, you will say to this demonic mountain. He moved to the mountains, demonic mountains. Uproot yourself. There are mountains in our way. Not all of them are demonic, but some of them are. And we address demonic mountains of opposition. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, move! Barriers come down. Oh, in the name of Jesus, demonic barriers, walls of opposition, ceilings, preventing us from moving forward, demonic ceilings. We break your power. We say, be thou removed. Loose your boundaries, boundaries. Those demonic boundaries, you set them, devil. We didn't set them. 
devil you said to us to stay on our side of the line we never put a line down you put the line down Jesus said go into all the world expand grow every line of territory that the devil has marked we cross over in Jesus name we cross over the Jordans we cross over into the promised land we speak to the Jerichos and we say walls come down in Jesus name oh hallelujah hallelujah we do this in the spirit because we know we're going to walk in it in the natural we do spiritual warfare we bring it down in the spirit so we can walk in it next week every foul spirit of opposition in our families and our lives oppressing financial demonic spirits of lack and poverty break your power in the name of Jesus holding us back pressing us down we wrestle back tonight we put up resistance to the devil's resistance we are overcomers and in the name of Jesus bow your knee we push you back we get some space for growth liberty freedom and joy oh God increase our joy levels in these days the devil's tried to keep us miserable he's tried to steal the joy of our salvation we've let him so much of our life is joyless many of us but this is our inheritance and we want it back in the name of Jesus foul spirit tormenting spirits come out in the name of Jesus liberty and freedom manifestation of the kingdom of God power of the name of Jesus in evidence answered prayer saved souls gifts in manifestation prophecies angelic visitations may these things not be held up but may they come through Jacob's ladder unopposed angels ascending and descending without demonic opposition in this house gifts from heaven unheeded Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I'll tell you what, this is just this is just a taste. Can you taste the difference? Can you taste the difference? Pushed something back. It's not the end, it's the beginning. I tell you what, where, where we are going to end tonight, we are going to pick up on Wednesday night. It doesn't matter if you can't make it, that's fine. But you take it with you. But we're going to pick this up. We're going to get some liberty in our lives. We're get some freedom. and Get some heaven down on earth. Get some joy and victory and press on in for our inheritance. We're part of the answer. We're not part of the problem. The devil wants us to say we're part of the problem. We're not. We're part of the answer. We're going to press in until we get answers, amen? Believe God for victories. Let's, let's 
finish my if you need prayer the ministry team come out we've got victory in this place who knows what might happen if you need a prayer for a sickness or something we have a breakthrough in these in the healing in these services and we're going to sing that there is power you know, that slower one there is power. Yeah. And we're going to seal it tonight. If you need prayer, come and get prayer. If you want to stay in this atmosphere of victory for a little bit more, fine. If you need to leave, that's fine too. We'll be here on Wednesday night. We'll be here on Sunday night too. Power.